Well, I'm David Mullins, and I am actually here with... Jeff Newton. And uh, this is the Two Middle-Aged Pastors podcast, and I made the trip down to uh, Kokomo, Indiana, from the great, uh, I guess it's not Green North right now, no snow, and uh, we're here, and we're going to be discussing some stuff. Yeah, we're going to be talking about lots of different things today. I'm not even exactly sure what direction we might head, because we're not always competent in everything that we do. That's true. And I've often asked myself, I said, Dave, is Jeff Newton incompetent? And I think that's a question we could explore. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. That's a great. I don't think of myself as incompetent, but I just read that people that are incompetent don't know that they're incompetent or they don't uh, understand that they are in some respects. Yeah, well, actually, what we're discussing is uh, back in the, I think, the early 90s, I was listening to a uh, talk show. And he brought up a, a study that had been done at Cornell University about incompetency. And what they found is uh, the fact that incompetent people don't recognize the fact that they're incompetent. And when I heard the report, I thought, you know what, that explains a lot. <laughs> I've had a lot of uh, like uh, professors in college and seminary that uh, might come under that, um, that uh, criteria of not realizing that they're incompetent because they think that they are. And how do you tell somebody that they aren't if they don't believe that they are? Well, that's true. And, and I think everyone's had the experience that uh, they're working with someone and other people recognize that this person is incompetent. You recognize that the person's incompetent. But the person in question is pretty much sure of themselves. And they, they know for a fact that what they are doing is wonderful and great. And they've got it all together. And the problem is you. Exactly. Do you ever Have you watched American Idol at all? Yes, I have. Actually, it does explain American Idol. <laughs> it does. Those guys get up there and they think that they're the greatest singers, especially the auditions. Yes. They think that they're the greatest singers in the world. And then when they get rejected, they are so dejected. And you sit there and listen to them and you think, those are the worst singers I've ever heard in my life. And they think they're the best. Is that what yeah, we're talking about? I think so. <laughs> my, my wife uh, has said in the past that she thinks those folks on American Idol are plants. That the show puts them on there to make it more entertaining or, or more controversial or whatever. And I keep referring back to the study saying, no, I think that these are real people. I think they actually believe that they can sing and that they can sing well. And my favorite one is the guy that, that I really, this is like the first year I've watched American Idol. Last year, I think we watched like the finals. This year, we've kind of watched it from the beginning. And uh, the, the guy that, that, didn't make it he couldn't sing and he said well my mom tried to discourage me <laughs> but i didn't listen because i know that i'm good exactly exactly so how does that translate into other places is it just singers well i i don't think so i think i think it's interesting uh you know to stick with american Idol for just just one more moment because it doesn't matter what the judges say to them uh, you know, they, they try to be nice. They, they say, you know what, this just isn't your thing. Uh, you know, you're just not good. You don't have talent. And, and they, a lot of them will storm out and say, I don't care what they say. I'm good. I'm, I know I'm good. And they can just beep, 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 beep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, but does it translate in other areas? Yeah, I, that's a good question, does it? Uh, do, how about parenting? People think they're good parents and, um, uh, on different kinds of jobs, um, and maybe 
Do you think it would translate to the church? I don't think so. I don't either. I mean, because, you know, what 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 does the Bible say about uh, viewing yourself? What does it say, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> don't know. It says, don't think highly of yourself than what you ought. Ah, okay. But always think others better than yourself. I know that passage in James, right? Uh, I believe maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Philippians 2, 3. And uh, it says... Do not nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And it seems like uh, those that are incompetent that we're discussing and that article is discussing, they don't follow that whatsoever. No, they they uh, they think I don't they're know. convinced. They're, yeah, it's more than thinking. They're convinced. They believe that they know. <laughs> they know that's good. They know what they're doing is correct. So what do you do? You know, I I don't really have a clue. <laughs> but I, I think your question is valid. Does this happen in the church? Uh-huh. Uh, I think it does. I think it happens all the time in the church. I think it happens with pastors. I think it happens with local churches, just the church bodies. In and what way? In That's what interesting. Ways? Yeah. In the church bodies? Yeah, in church bodies. I, well, I think it happens in most churches, <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna get in trouble, because, because you know one of the things, one of the things every church will tell you is we're friendly. Isn't that right? Yeah. And so that so they're convinced true. that they're friendly, and they know that they're friendly, that they're friendly to each other. Right. And if you don't think they're friendly, then there's something wrong with you. Exactly. Um, some of the some churches believe that they're fulfilling the mission of Christ by what they do, but they're really doing nothing. But spending a uh, system, an organizational system, and keeping that going. Now, let's say that you're part of, say, a committee or a division. And you're sitting around and you're, you're having a conversation on, uh, you know, we're on this committee, we're on this division, so you should be doing something, right? That's exactly right. And so you decide, well, you know, we really don't have that much that we can do, so let's, let's have a conference. Let's have a conference. And so you come up with conference ideas, and, and, and you come up with teachers for the conference, and you advertise, and what if no one signs up? Or what if only 20 people sign up? What, what, what options do you have at that point? Well, the option, you have the option to go forward with what you have. You have the option to cancel. Or you have the option to um, help people understand how important this conference is by um, re-advertising. Okay. And uh, hopefully, um, in their, at least in the people's minds, hopefully people will sign up and come then. Is there any point when you're on this committee that you get together and say, maybe we missed it? Maybe, let's relook at our steps. Maybe we, want, maybe we were, and I, I don't really want to use the word incompetent because it's not really incompetence at that point. It's just the fact that what you thought was a surefire thing that people would say, yes, people are saying, you know what? We got other things. Let me give you a hardcore example. Okay. Last summer, in our town of Kokomo, there's a festival called the Haynes Apperson Festival. I've been to that. You've been to that. I've been to that. I was listening to the radio, and this guy that was in charge of the festival was pleading on the radio. He was saying, we have three-on-three basketball we have uh, 
uh, run. There's all these sporting events, and nobody was signing up. And he got on the radio and says, please, please, please don't let these activities die because there's nobody interested. I'm thinking, please, don't let them die because they're so important to everybody. <laughs> yeah, they're so, it's so interesting. I mean, they were, you know, he, said, he said, don't let them die because of lack of interest. Don't I let said, them, oh, I, okay, because of lack of That's kind of is the reason why you let them die. Exactly. You just let it go. You let it go. And in the church, we do the same stuff. We do the same thing over and over and over and over again, thinking it's going to be better the next time. Yeah. Now, now I do, I mean, you have to be careful. You have to kind of be balanced on this because you don't want, because some things are important. Uh, I still, and and you might think this is odd, I still respect uh, some of the churches in uh, maybe some of the European countries that will have a mass or a service even if no one shows up uh, because I think it's still important to give people an opportunity even though their lives are somewhere else that you still give them that opportunity but I think you have to be careful on, on you know and, and be sure of what you're saying because say with the conference or with uh, Haynes Apperson am I saying you know what we believe this is important we believe it's good so what the majority of people you know, don't want to do this. Uh, but again, you know, maybe you're incompetent. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you know, maybe you're not looking at reality and you're the only one that thinks it's important. Uh, and so I think there needs to be a lot of looking at motivations and uh, putting things in perspective. Exactly. Exactly. Thinking things through. Thinking things through. Finding out why people aren't interested. That might be good. Yeah. Yeah. If people aren't coming or aren't interested. Well, why aren't you interested? That's a good question, but I don't think I think we're afraid to ask that question because we might get the truth, and then that shows that we are incompetent, <laughs> <laughs> and we know we're not. Yeah, I, you know, you know, there's a lot of things in culture that uh, kind of confuse me, uh, because a lot of people will say, "Well, you know what? I don't have time to go to this conference or whatever on a Saturday morning. My time is valuable to me." And I told you that this is like the first time we've watched American Idol from the beginning. Mm-hmm. What are they doing this week? This is, right now we're at February 23rd. What are they doing this week in American Idol? Okay, the first two off. The first set off. What else? How many shows are they having this Three. week? Three. How long are the shows? Two hours. I think the, the, the two were two hours. and Is the last one an, an hour, hour tonight? Hour. Yeah, okay. An hour. Five hours of American Idol. And I watched every minute. <laughs> well, you, you know, when they came out with that, I was I was literally in shock. And I looked at my wife and I said, I cannot believe they are asking me to spend five hours out of my week to watch this. And I just, I can't do it. Uh, I, I've watched 40 minutes out of out of the two hours. I've seen 40 minutes of it. And, uh, and I started thinking this morning. People don't come to church because, you know, we just don't have the time. We've got stuff that we have to do. We, do you watch American Idol? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I love Ace. You know? It, it, what is the issue here? I know this is completely off our topic of uh, the competence, but apparently the Fox folks have figured something out that we haven't. Exactly. Exactly. And now our whole family's in a dilemma for tonight. We're just absolutely in a crisis mode because every Thursday night we watch Survivor oh, at the same at the Survivor <laughs> and my wife likes to watch Dancing with the Stars 
And then my other older son likes to watch American. We all like American Idol. So they're all in the, the same Olympics. time. Yeah, all, they're all four this, at the this same is like time. the news thing. I, you know, we try not to be too time sensitive on this podcast. <laughs> but, but I think the point is this people are in a quandary of what to do tonight, which means that at least on some nights they're home watching hours of TV. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know, as the church, how we can say, you know what? There is something a little bit more important than American Idol. We're having this conference on prayer. And, and you spent five hours watching American Idol. You spent, you know, how many hours watching the Olympics? But now you're telling us you don't have time. So I, I, I would propose to you, it's not a time issue. I think it is. If I watch five hours of American Idol <laughs> during the week, I don't have time to go to a conference on Saturday because I have things to do that I've missed out on. So it is I a time issue. I spend my whole week watching TV. I can't give up a Saturday, Saturday morning. Exactly. It is a time issue. Uh, okay. And you can't do stuff during the week because people are home watching TV. Exactly. That is exactly right. We have, I, you know, See, our, our competition is not the Lutheran church or the Christian church, or the Methodist church, or any church down the street, there there is a greater competition. And so my question to you is, how do we compete against that? How do we get out of this incompetency phase where we're saying they'll come just because whatever and actually uh, connect to them at a level that's even deeper than what the American Idol... I think American Idol is aptly named. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Maybe that's a slam. I don't know. But, uh, but, but but what do we do as a church? What do we do as people of faith? Well, I think, I think, I think addressing some issues in the church maybe. I, I got to tell you, well, if he listens to this. Anyway, I have a friend. <laughs> who might be listening. Who might be listening. So if you think you're the person, you are. If you're the person, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you know you're the person. I have a friend that was a pastor. He's no longer a pastor. He has a nine-to-five job, eight-to-five, Monday through Friday. And he says, man, I can't wait for Friday to come. He says, I didn't realize how difficult it was to have an eight-to-five job Monday through Friday. And then he says, the last thing I want to do when I only have a few hours at home with my family is to go to a church that's dysfunctional and going through conflict. I don't want to, go to, I don't want to waste my time in that mess. I want to go somewhere where I can experience God and to... Uh, have some hope to get me through the rest of the next week and he said I understand now I, before because he was pastoring kind of some churches that were incompetent maybe and <laughs> dysfunctional at least and uh, so he says I understand now why people didn't want to come to the church I was pastoring I w- you know if I'm working all week I don't want to waste my time fighting over junk so I, and, and maybe that's why and maybe that's why some of the See, here I go again. I, I apologize. <laughs> my, my assumption is that with a lot of the mega churches, a lot of the folks going to the mega churches were actually people that were uh, active in other congregations, smaller congregations. And it's not the fact that the mega churches don't have some of the same problems. It's the fact that you can become, I don't want to say insignificant, but you can become a small part and truly become a consumer. And and kind of forego all that. Exactly. You can go in and you don't have to be involved in all that. Yeah, you can experience stuff. God. You can hear a good message. 
You can you know try to apply it to your life. You can hear good music, and you don't have to be uh, be part of of the issue. And I think I know what why why Survivor and American Idol and all that stuff is popular now. I think I just figured it out. This me, this is me. like a scoop. This will be the podcast that will will take us. You know, we, we watch that stuff because there's conflict and there's drama, but we're not a part of it. We can watch it. We can comment on it to our friends, but it doesn't really pull us in emotionally. We can turn it off and hopefully be okay the next day. But but in the church, the nature of the church is we're the body of Christ. You're part of me. I'm part of you. It's like living with your family forever. <laughs> you know, the family that you grew up with, your brothers and your mm-hmm. sisters and maybe even some aunts and uncles. You're just right. there together forever. And you never can leave unless you choose to stay home. Exactly. And then then there's the whole, if you're in a church that's dysfunctional or you're in a church where you feel guilty because you don't go to the events or you feel guilty. (laughs) Or you're pressured to go to the events events that that you have no care care for. Or you feel guilty because they need Sunday school teachers and you could do it but you don't really want to do it. Or you feel guilty because they need people on committees and there's not enough people to do all that junk. Then you just stay home because if you would like to go to the big church where you could hide out, but then you feel guilty because you deserted the church you're part of. Well, maybe, maybe not. I know some people that say, you know what, I just got burned out. Uh, and, and these are real people. These aren't like the fake people I usually talk about. Uh, I was a church that was a mini mega church. And, and some of the folks said, yeah, I used to direct the choir, but it just got too much, and so I'm here. I don't do anything. I come to worship, and Who needs that's fun. Yeah, who who needs you know? I can watch American Idol and get the same sensation. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. And then that, and that I think that that attitude with parishioners, especially and pastors, keeps the church incompetent because nobody really wants to step up and say we got to fix this. And when you do, you get it's so difficult that you just throw in the towel, forget it. Yeah, well, I think the difficulty. Uh, and I have said this, we have talked, you know, you and I have talked because of Barner's book, uh, Revolution. And we're not, you know, I don't mean for us to go there since we're at like 18 minutes. But uh, the thought that uh, at some point the church might not exist, uh, that people are just basically saying, you know what, the church just gives me headaches. I'm going to do, and I know, I know someone that is doing this now. In fact, he's done it his whole life. His dad got angry at the church. And they just, they would worship at home. They would read the Bible at home. They basically said, we you know, don't need the church. And he continues this on. He's probably in his 50s. He's still doing the same thing. Calls himself a non-denominational Christian. I don't think he's listening to this. But uh, the thing that I have found is it's in that struggle with other people that God is able to hone you and 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 kind of sand off the rough edges of your life and it's the inner you know if I was not in a in a congregation with other people forgiveness would be pretty easy a reconciliation would be unneeded but in a church you have to actually learn to to come together as one and the only way you can do that is with Jesus and so I think you know when you when you you know, maybe you're sitting at home and you've kind of said, you know what, I'm not going to church. I'm listening to these podcasts and I'm fine. I can worship at home as easily as I can at the church, which is true in a sense. But what you're missing out on 
is the beautiful work of God. Uh, that you know, there's someone that you can't stand, and God does a work in your life, and all of a sudden you're reconciled. And you can't do that on your own. Exactly. But and I think that I think that that could be a problem in the church is people flee. They don't stay and fight. Yeah, I'm not saying fights fight. in a good way. <laughs> fight a good Re- way. Reconcile, fight the good maybe. Fight. fight the good fight. Yeah. I mean, work it out. Fight the hard right. battle to, to make things right. Because what you discover is, and maybe this is where we get back to incompetence, what you discover is that none of us are 100% blameless. Exactly. That we all have rough edges. And while you're standing there feeling you're justified in your position, they're doing the same thing. And because of Jesus, sometimes he causes events to happen and things happen in our life that we have to turn around and look at ourselves. And by doing that, uh, we realize that we need his forgiveness, but also we, we realize that we need a changed heart. And it's that changing of the heart that is such a beautiful thing mm-hmm. that you don't always see. And, and it's with that, working it out with people. I mean, living with people. Maybe we need um, Jesus to be more like Simon on... American Idol just tell us like it is so we can look at ourselves and realize that we're not as competent as we think I we think are. he I think he is like Simon <laughs> actually I, I think the Jesus that people like I'm not sure that's the Jesus of the Bible maybe so that's, that's not the we... Jesus saying woe to you you do this and you do that uh, that's the Jesus that just kind of pats children on the head and says oh what a cute little child boys will be boys you boys know. will be boys <laughs> exactly it's okay I understand we got we we's got an understanding. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. We's got this understanding mean God. Yep. So uh, yeah. So I think uh, maybe we need to. Maybe the whole problem is we're all incompetent, and we don't realize it. That's true. And what, true. if everybody could come to that realization, then maybe we could work on that together. And, and maybe in Paul's word. Uh, we can actually humbly look at ourselves and consider others better than ourselves. Hey, that'd be something good, wouldn't it? Well, that would be. And wow, to think that, that Paul wrote that like, you know. A couple thousand years ago? Yeah, close to it. 2,000, somewhere. 19,000, something. 100 years, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to do the math. But. Okay. <laughs> so, cool, cool beans. <laughs> so... Uh, now, this this episode was really tight. Tight. <laughs> Somebody said that to me the other day. I didn't know what they're talking about. I realized it was like cool beans. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and I got a new one. Uh, inspired by a Burger King commercial. I'm trying to get my kids to start doing this at school. Uh, as kind of when you're leaving someone, uh, you know, instead of saying "see you later," say "keep it cheesy." <laughs> That's the new catchphrase. Keep, Keep it, it cheesy. cheesy. <laughs> because people really won't know what you're talking about. There you go. And that's that guy three times. What are you saying? Because I didn't know what the that tight. was tight. <laughs> oh, my. That's tight. I'm just keeping up with the slang. Yeah. All the cool kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's probably about it for our podcast. Sounds good. We'll do another one some other day. So I don't know if we came up with any solutions, but hopefully we gave you something to think about. Something to think about. Maybe you need to look at yourself and say, am I incompetent? <laughs> yeah, really. And, and if, I, if I think about it, uh, add a link to that, that article from I think they have a, an article in the American Psychology, I read both Psychological articles. Association and then there's there's a lot of stuff uh, on there you can you can ask your friend Google and he will uh, give you some more but sounds good alright and this is uh, David Mullins and this is Jeff Newton and we're two middle aged pastors discussing stuff, stuff. so 
talk to you later. I'll talk at you later.